there welcome to hardcasters so this is the podcast coming at you like cleopatra coming at you in a way like one of those swat tanks that does a drug bust and smashes yes. the back doors that's how we're coming at you does it uh, have, have a nice day written on the on the thing like in a uh, dragnet it does with a big smiley face Perfect. um i'm dick Bazarge, and very much the special agent johnson to my agent johnson is Dominic the Plume. Hello. Hello. I'm here. We caught you out. We reversed it. Visage did the intro. Ha ha. Yeah. Yeah. See? Can't pin us down. Tonight. Dick came first tonight. <laughs> he did. <laughs> and I've got to say, that's not a break from convention. So tonight, um, we're going to look at a one of the all-time great action heroes. We're going to look at... Um, Snake Plissken, but yes, haha, it's not Escape from New York, like you may be thinking. It, we're going, we're going to the other coast. We are going to escape from LA. Now, I don't know about you. This is a film I thought I'd seen. I thought I'd seen this film, but when I watched it, either I wasn't paying any attention to it whatsoever, or I've never seen it. I don't know about you. Yeah, I, I, um, I fell into the trap of, well. That's, you know, it's not got a good reputation. No. And I had dismissed it as just an appalling mistake that's best forgotten. And I think I was in a <clears throat> in a mood where I'd run out of, I'd watched everything that I've got and I couldn't find anything streaming. And I thought, what's the kind of film that is kind of action-y, but kind of futuristic-y? And I suddenly remembered that Escape from, I hadn't seen Escape from A for a long time. I thought, well, I'll give it a whirl. And I don't know about you, but I think it's fucking genius. <laughs> like, you know what? Yeah, it's got a it's got a terrible rep, and there's clearly obvious reasons. Oh yeah, it's got a bad rep. Um, but there are some things about it that I was like, "Ooh, I like that." Yeah, and it actually as a, as a plot and a kind of sequel to something that was kind of brilliant. Mm. I think it gets away with a certain few things, especially in 2020. When you watch it in the, the, the year that we've had this year, yeah, watch a film like Escape from L.A., mm. there's certain things that kind of ring quite true. Yeah, I think, um, I, I, I think my kind of abiding sort of memory or, or, or theory on this, really, my, my sort of theory is that um, it's a terrible sequel to Escape from New York in many senses of the word because it completely, it does a lot of things really wrong. It completely changes the tone. Yeah. There is some absolutely ludicrous stuff that happens yeah. in this one. Yeah. Secondly, it just repeats the same film again, yeah. plot for plot, yeah. which I think is a mistake. Especially, I think you could put Snake Plisting in any film, in any story, and it would be good. I don't yeah. think you need the escape thing in. So, yeah, it, it feels like a, a, a really weird choice. But as a film in of itself, last time I w watched it, I kind of felt like this is the kind of film that we would pitch on one of our podcasts. It feels like a deliberate and calculated parody of action films. There's some brilliantly absurd stuff. 
yeah. that if you're watching it expecting it to be like escape from new york seems like what were they thinking if you're watching it knowing they're in on the joke it's hilarious yeah i i think it's like a precursor to things like planet terror i think it knows exactly what it's doing it's yeah. satirizing the genre it just weirdly does that as a sequel to a film that had already established a tone rather than building from the ground up. I think for the purposes of this podcast, I think we ignore Escape from New York. I think, mm. criminal as that sounds, I think we review this film as its own thing. Because yes. actually, like you say, it feels like looking back on it, it might actually have done things that people reviewing at the time didn't see coming. Yeah. Um, so Escape from New York is its own thing. So if we put that to one side and then we yep. have the, obviously we've still got Snake Plissken in there, who's mm. Kurt Russell, who's brilliant. But I think, first of all, let's deal with the elephant in the room or the shark in the room. Yeah. Um, is the, the CGI. In this yeah. Film. The, the, um, so in, the, uh, uh, sorry, I almost said in the Escape from New York, we're not, we're not talking about Escape from New York. So this scene, the, 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 uh, Snake Plissken is getting into LA by submarine. Yes. And someone made the decision, oh, CGI is new and exciting. Let's do that. Yep. It is quite possibly one of the most shockingly awful. Because even something like the Lawnmower Man, it, there's a conceit that you're in some virtual reality world. Mm. This is supposed to match real world live action footage. Yeah. And it's fucking awful it really fucking is awful none of it is to scale either like, no. thing there, like that's not to scale you've not even bothered to scale this cgi yeah. at, at all because there's some bits in it you're like no that's yeah terrible it's it's um it reminds me of like a shit 90s quiz british quiz show opening Yes. You know, like Noel's subaquatic house party or something. It's like, it's it literally looks that awful. Um, I'm putting it yeah. in. It's not yeah. Noel's subaquatic party. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that uh, you know, I'm aware for a lot of people, we've got in quite hot saying this film is misunderstood. But at the same time, please remember, we know we're shit when we see it. And that that CGI sequence is pretty much irredeemably, irredeemably balls. Yeah. Yeah. Hot, sweaty, gritty balls with bits of material that have come off the person's pants stuck in them. Basically, uh, like you've done you've done PE or, you know, come some sort of sports in the 80s and you've got those tiny mm. sports PE shorts on with an underpant lining. Yeah. And that underpant lining has basically attached itself to your nethers and stayed yeah. there for a couple of days. That's what it's like. Boiled, gravy-smelling balls. And that, folks, is the title <laughs> of our pitched film for this week. Yeah. <laughs> Starring. Um, yeah, no, it is. I mean, there's two... I mean, the, the CGI consistently throughout this is mm. shit. Now, what I'm going to come on to in a bit later on is there's some practical effects in this. Like, there's mm. some makeup and stuff, which looks brilliant. There's a few little things in there... You, and we'll, we'll come on to this in a bit because when it when it, when it happened and I had to look up if it if it was this actor and it was and it was like this mm. is brilliant, mm. but it's a scene that's so throwaway. I don't know why they didn't sit on all of this kind of mythology more. Anyway, mm. we'll come back on to that later on. But yeah. there's two uh, in amongst this whole shit gravy boat of CGI. There's two 
lump, clear lumps in this shit gravy that stand out. One mm. is when, like you say, when he's subaquatic. So we basically meet Snake Plissken. And like I say, it, it's essentially the US government, you know, kind of to, to summarise the plot, the, the LA has been um, the result of a huge earthquake at a time of kind of great misery for, for, for the American people. It's basically been cut off as as an island, like in that massive Alcatraz due to this earthquake. There's been a tsunami as well, so it's cut off LA as, a, as an island. A lot of it's under the sea, which we see during this this kind of CGI shit fest. Mm-hmm. And basically any kind of criminals or people of a certain persuasion or people who either smoke or have too much sex or drink or even people don't break the law and are slightly immoral have been mm. cast out onto this island. Now, um, it's basically ruled over by the US president who's proclaimed, again, 2020, everyone, who's proclaimed himself, uh, he's got authority till he dies, basically. Mm. And this is Uncle Ben, isn't it? This is from Uncle Spider- Ben. Yeah. The man from the rice packets. No, it's Spider-Man. Uncle ben from Spider-Man. So uh, yeah. Cliff, Cliff Robertson is the president who's kind of almost like an evangelist, uh, evangelist president. He's kind of very righteous mm. and very kind of ultra conservative in his views and essentially he's helped create this this kind of horrid place where everyone gets sent and LA is now its own world so it's not part of America it's kind of been kind of declassified as 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 its own independent nation um we'll we'll talk about the bad guys in a little bit because I think we'll get over the shit fest CGI first Mm. but Cliff Robertson slash Uncle Ben sends uh basically his daughter has gone missing. Uh, she hijacked Air Force One. Or it's not really clear how she did it because she looks like just like some sort of prom queen. And she's basically lost in LA. She kind of crash landed and lost in LA. And she's got a black box with a MacGuffin in it, which again, we'll talk about later on. Mm. So very quickly, at the start of the film, we see that they've captured Snake Plissken. We don't really know why or how, but mm. he's been given this mission very quickly. Um, they trick him into believing he's been implanted with a device with a virus that will kill him again. 2020, everyone, mm-hmm. um, and he's got uh, a certain amount of hours to go onto the island and get the daughter back. So that that's kind of the plot, which I think we'll pick over a little bit in a minute. But it starts off like you said; he goes subaquatic, so they give him like this futuristic-looking submarine. They also give him new leather future clothes as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, the ruse is there flame retardant but they're just they look awful he looks like he's in some sort of madonna video i I get that i think that might be where the sweaty balls things come from because they're they're cooking in there they are yeah they are like you know like a rotisserie chicken in there (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, boiling the bag balls into the into the submarine now he has to go obviously through from the mainland of the u.s over the kind of wasteland of la which is underwater and he can't, we see him zooming around really quickly over lots of kind of landmarks of LA that have been not to scale put in under the water. Mm. And they look awful. And then there's a scene where a shark tries to attack the submarine, mm. which for me is the first out of all the CGI's, the, the one, the, you know, the, the kind of looks god awful. I don't know yeah. about you. That was just really shit. Yeah. It's a shocking bag of crap. 
I, I do apologize. I mean, I do really like this film, but that I mean, it's it, there's no there's nothing about that sequence that works at all. Um, just yeah, and the addition, someone must have gone. Let's put a shark in there, and then said, "Can we do a shark?" No, we we haven't got a clue. Put it in there anyway. Let's make it look like featureless and uh, textureless and not move or bend or react like a shark. The shark, the CGI shark in Back to the Future 2 that tries to eat Marty McFly, the hologram, is a more convincing and terrifying shark than this sad sack of crap. Even if you're a parent and you watch the toddler baby shark video where it's got a Mm. red animatronic shark in it, that looks better than this. Yeah, they get the dead eyes in that. This one's nothing. I mean, yeah, it's it's horrible. And just, you know, in case anyone's re-releasing Escape from L.A., feel free to use any of these as pull quotes for the, the poster. Um, yeah. You know, they're, they're all gold. We, we, we're not pressured. You don't even have to credit us. Just put sad sack of shit on, on it, you know. Yeah, but just just make it clear, it's just the CGI. <clears throat> um, but you say, yeah, we. I mean, like I say, I, my hopes at this point were very much on the floor. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna have to sit through this now and watch the rest of it. Mm. It did get better when he lands in LA. It quicks off quite quickly, doesn't it? We mm. kind of we hit the ground running, so to speak. Mm. Um, and it kind of starts where we get introduced to what actually is a is a really deep good cast in this mm. film. Yeah, we meet um, Peter Fonda straight away, don't we? We mm-hmm. meet a very post-apocalyptic Peter Fonda. Yeah. So we don't, I'm not really sure what he... What I don't know. I, yeah. yeah. I, 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 had, I, had, I haven't really watched this for this podcast. I watched it last year. Mm. Um, and I'm glad you said that because part of me started to think, oh, I should have rewatched it because I can't remember who he is or why he's there or what he's doing. But I, I, now I'm beginning to remember that I don't think that's ever actually properly, properly kind not. of him. No. I think, in fact, he's there for the second which we'll talk about in a minute, the second sack of shit CGI. I think yeah. he's only there for that purpose, which we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. Anyway, we meet Peter Fonda, then he disappears off screen quite quickly. Hmm. And then we're introduced to very him trudging through very kind of kind of key landmarks that still stand hmm. in development, which I think is Beverly Hills. I think it's basically, that's the majority yeah. of it, say, Beverly Hills, isn't it? Yeah, and I, th- um, I think um, this, this, this the, the, the initial meeting, the initial landing and stuff, is great because we we do establish it's kind of like that you feel like they've got the money and they've got the 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 production mm. to fully realize a post-apocalyptic la and possibly the way they didn't have in the previous film um again i know we, we wouldn't talk too much about that but i remember seeing the poster from escape new york and seeing the statue of liberty collapse and thinking this looks amazing and then in that film that that's never in it um whereas here they've properly destroyed la and it, it feels like more post-apocalyptic, but also more futuristic and that, that Snake Plissken, apart from his pleather trousers, has got like proper sci-fi big machine cannons and big silver revolvers with huge sights, as was the 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 um the fashion of the 90s to take a gun and just add bits on top of it until it was r- ridiculously overweight. Yeah. Um yeah, no, I mean, it, but it feels evocative and it feels like you're going into a bigger, a bigger world. Yeah, absolutely. And we kind of guided through it. So there's lots of, certainly at the start, there's lots of back and forth between State Plissken on the kind of radio mic, whatever it is, back to the base where mm. um, uh, Uncle Ben slash the president and uh, his right, uh, right-hand man, which is Stacey Keach. Yep. 
with a lovely ponytail. Oh, lovely. Very, very nice. Lovely. A, a demon slash kind of big weird ponytail going was on. Was the ponytail CGI? I Do think it was. It looks I think it was. I'm just going to look on the internet. Yeah, it was. Yeah, 100% CGI. I, I think actually Stacey Keats was CGI. Well, I don't think yes. he's actually been He's always been CGI. He's the first C ever CGI actor, and no yep. one no one knows. It's here, heard it here first. Um, and then we get kind of, <clears throat> it, through this kind of back and forth, it starts to then unravel about the, the villains on the island, um, which it turns out is... Uh, Again, it's not really massively opened out, but there's some sort of war brewing between North America and South America. Yeah. And there's kind of a, a Che Guevara slash kind of Pinochet slash, uh, you know, kind of dictate, not dictator, but kind of a, you know, um, kind of a freedom fighter, so to speak, who's in there, who wants control of whatever's on this black box that the president's daughter has got hold of. Mm. Um and he's managed to hook up with the president's daughter and it feels like he's taken her under her wing and she's become quite militaristic, which she mm. has. She, I think she's yeah. just got very on, yeah. and like, you know, like a pink suit. So, yeah, it's, she's not really been revolutionised, but she no. kind of goes along with this. Um, so there's basically, it's lots of Mexican bandidos on bikes and horses, isn't it, alongside yeah. this dictator. Um, and you find out throughout the rest of the film that other parts of America are about to be invaded by his kind of army, his, you mm. know, his kind of freedom fighter army. I think Miami gets mentioned that's going to be invaded. Yeah. So, and it turns out this device, this kind of MacGuffin, is basically like a, um, uh, an EMP, isn't it? Like a, an mm. electromagnetic pulse that knocks out all the satellites in the world. Yes, something like that, yeah. How all the electricity invent, and all the power. And... How would you invent something like that? Yeah, I know. just end up in trouble, really, isn't it? Isn't well, exactly. It? I mean, you... If if at any point you have to say if this ends up in the wrong hands, it's going to, so just destroy it immediately. Like you, you know, just imagine like someone running in the room, like you know, Professor, you know, Professor Cress running into a room, going, "Look, lads, look what I've invented." It, but what does it do? Well, you turn it on and it knocks all the uh, satellites out and basically all the power in the world. Why have you invented that? Yeah, what have you been doing? Why, why you could be cured cancer? Why are you? pissing around with that it's just a private personal project just uh, you know i was bored you know yeah. did it in my own time fuck you yeah. um that uh and scene yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so essentially you know through through this this madness of this one professor they, they, they've got their hands on this device which essentially is suggested he's going to use the the uh, dictator guy to turn the world back into a kind of mm early stone age state can i just clarify so if we're going further just for people listening um he's a dictator his name's not dictator i just want to make that clear because yeah. i i very childishly i it just the first time you said it in my head i just imagined a man called dictator and that, <laughs> that makes me laugh every time you're saying it so i thought i'd clarify that for the audience carry on sorry that's fine no um <laughs> i think again put a pin in that yep <laughs> Um, I'm running out of pins. I it, it gives it like a, a sense of world-ending threat, doesn't it? It's not just about getting the president's daughter out there. Then it's kind of like, nope, the world's in, at stake. Snake Plissken mm. needs to sort this out. So then he goes around LA to try and 
catch up to this guy and meet nefarious characters on the way. So we meet him, first of all, going through Beverly Hills, which again has turned into an absolute kind of wasteland of people shooting each other, etc. And then he meets our first kind of, oh, second, sorry, after, after Peter Fonda, our second kind of, kind of big star in there, which is Steve Buscemi, mm-hmm. who is basically called the map to the stars. I think he's even credited that in IMDb. He's got like, yeah. uh, he's basically a weaselly little shit. Little shit. He? Yeah, he's yeah. a little shit. And he, um, he almost like, you know, in like, you kind of see cartoons and animations where this character, you know, they get turned into animals and he'd be like a weasel or a rat, you know, with kind of, you know, very, just mm. always playing out yeah. just double crossing everyone, just being a shit bag. He offers to take Snake around yeah. Beverly Hills, but yeah. Snake tells him to fuck off. He's not interested, which I would, to be fair. I wouldn't want to spend any time with this guy. Um, and then we kind of see him yeah. tracking, you know, fighting some no. bandidos and tracking um, uh, the villain um, through through Beverly Hills. And this is the bit I really liked. Um, he's kind of climbing through undergrowth and he stumbles across um, the Beverly Hills hospital, doesn't he? And then we see lots of kind of, uh, you know, American ambulances, so all looking like Ecto-1, that kind of, um, yeah. you know, 1950s, 60s American ambulance, taken into a hospital. And you think, oh, is this where, you know, good guys are that are trying to kind of save people? No. Yeah. Um, it turns into this nightmarish hospital scene, doesn't it? Which I mm. really like. And I had to kind of, this is where I had to IMDB and check if this was the actor. Do you remember the scene? Do you remember the... Yeah, yeah, no, this is this is a standout moment. I mean, it, it's um, uh, yeah. of the film, not necessarily cinema as a whole. Uh, oh, I don't know. I mean, it's up, it's up there. Um, yeah, I mean, so it's this kind of cult of plastic surgery. So it's got kind of elements of body horror and Frankenstein-esque stuff. And it's these people, you know, who are augmenting their bodies. And um, yeah, so the, the surgeon guy comes up. He's got these gnarly looking um surgical devices and he's got this kind of weird kind of augmented face um and uh yeah it's, it's bruce campbell now yeah you put bruce campbell in the film it becomes better um and this is no exception it, he's really good in it um i i believe i heard an anecdote i can't remember I think it might have been in one of the director's commentaries for another Carpenter, Kurt Russell film. They said about working with him and Kurt Russell during in between takes lent over to him and said, um, say tool shed to me because he was, he was fascinated. There's a, there's a, um, an ADR line in evil dead two where Bruce Campbell runs outside. He's looking for um, weapons and sees a tool shed just goes tool shed. Um, and it's quite a kind of jarring and clearly overdubbed thing. And apparently, Kurt Russell was so obsessed with that line, he he made Bruce Campbell say it to him in between takes. See, that's it now, because that's the one of the standout scenes of the film. Now it's better. Now you've kind of yeah. told me that anecdote. So it's, 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 it lasts for five minutes, if that. It's a really nice kind of, actually, a nice satire on Hollywood and how far it's fallen mm. and... Like yeah. I say, it's this horrid kind of scary world. And they all look like, you know, yeah. characters from Lazy Town, which I quite liked as well. Oh, got another um, pin. Uh, a Sportacus but movie, but like a Nolan-esque dark Sportacus movie. 
Can can Bruce Campbell play Sportacus? Yeah, and we'll get some um, like maybe like Walken as Robbie Rotten. It's amazing, brilliant. Pin pin yeah. that one as well. Lots yeah. of yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, it doesn't last very long, and this is where it kind of my interest kind of started to be. I'm like, oh, Steve Buscemi's in it, mm. and now we've got this body horror with Bruce Campbell, which is really nice and cool. And this is where I thought, I don't think I've seen this film because I would have remembered all this. Yeah. Um, and he's he's uh, he's found a kind of. Um, he's he's met a, a lady on the way um, who the actress has been in a few things and I can't remember her name. This is terrible research. Is this Pam? She's kind of no. He's not no. Oh, okay. to, that, but to that bit. Yeah, we're talking about because that that is mental. Yeah. Um, uh, again, <laughs> another like whoa. Um, yeah. But she she kind of again is. I think they're all kind of introduced to take Kurt Russell through various parts of LA, almost like in a Grand Theft Auto video game kind of way, mm. where we have to meet these characters to then forward on to the next part, and they walk you over to the next element of the game because she gets yeah. killed off quite quickly, um, mm. and we're never really sure what her big motive is behind it. She just kind of mm. guides Kurt Russell through these two stages and then she gets killed off. We see that he has another showdown and tries to kind of get hold of the baddie um, and the baddie kind of eludes him. And then um, time is starting to run out and Kurt Russell starts kind of coughing and kind of staggering about as if this virus has got hold of him quite a lot. Mm. Um, and this is where Steve Buscemi starts to double-cross him a little bit. This is where yeah. um, he basically play, starts playing off uh, Snake Plissken and, and the kind of main villain off against each other. And they have a, uh, you know, Kurt Russell escapes with the black box from, you know, the, the shits, escapes into the sewer, and then Steve Buscemi shoots him in the back. And then mm. they manage to retrieve the black box. We meet Peter Fonda again. He pops up talking about acid rain, then he disappears, stays left again. Um, yeah. And then, um, then it comes to the second of the shit fest CGI, which is why I think Peter Fonda is in this film because he plays a kind of laid back, easy rider character, but not easy rider as a biker, easy rider as a surfer, like a beach. Yeah, player. yeah. Do you? How would you describe what happens next? Because I think. This is something we would pitch, to be fair. Yeah, this, well, this, this is the thing. And so I remember seeing this sequence, which we'll describe in a minute, for the first time around, and my thinking, what the fuck was anyone involved thinking putting this in the escape from universe? How is the character from the first film doing this? It's absurd, it's ridiculous. And then upon seeing it a second time, I thought, I mean, it is awful, but at the same time, it's genuinely very funny. It's yeah. kind of almost Batman 66-esque. Yes. And so there's a big part of me that that kind of loves it, even though it's it, it this is this will be like the CGI thing. This will be a deal breaker for some people that watch this scene and think, no, fuck that. And you know, I'm not gonna argue. It is it is a poorly conceived and executed moment. But again, if we're ignoring the first film, it's so batshit that I'm jealous <laughs> I didn't come up with it. Yeah. Um, so basically, Peter Fonda has got his surfboard. I think he's got a spare one for Snake Plisking somehow. They're in this kind of ravine. Is it the LA, um, you know, where they have the chase, the, the car chase in Greece uh, yeah. action fans? 
And so there's this torrential kind of tsunami coming down. Um, they think they die, but they decide they're going to surf it. Now, that means we've got a a visual effects based surfing sequence. Now, if anyone's seen uh, Die Another Day from several years later, even at that point, it, it they could not pull that off. Mm. So early on, this is not going to be good. But more than that, we then have Steve Buscemi driving alongside the edge of this of this aqueducty gulch, whatever it's called. I can't remember. He's sitting there relaxing, smug that he's got the one up on Snake Plissken. He looks over to his right, right, and double takes, and then they're surfing next to him. Yep. So we have this shot in the background of Steve Buscemi's open top kind of Cadillac, and in the foreground, mm -hmm. Peter Fonda and Kurt Russell surfboarding on either CGI or a miniature kind of water um, plate. Mm -hmm. And it's just this layer of of green screen and none of it looks convincing. And the fact they're just kind of there, like standing upright, like they're, they're not surfing. They're just kind of like moving on top of these static boards as water tumbles beneath them, parallel to a moving car and kind of just eyeing each other. Um, oh, I think I love it. <laughs> I think it's awful. You think Kurt Russell, Peter Fonda, Steve Buscemi surfing a tsunami? Mm. We, that be that would be in something we would pitch to be fair. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's disappointing they don't start shooting at each other, but <clears throat> I mean, yeah. or having a full conversation. Or but a I mean, fight. it's pretty bonkers. Or yeah, yeah. Like, mid mid tsunami surfing, like they're jumping on each other's boards and having a kung fu fight. Or a sex scene. I mean, any of those <laughs> would be would be would be good. But as it is, you know. Um, it was it was 94 you know it's it's still ahead of its time so yeah i mean i 100 percent it's not a not a scene i would happily or casually recommend to people because for a lot of people it's like oh you know it's a shark jumping moment a shit cgi shark jumping moment um <clears throat> possibly a stain on the snake plisking legend but in of its own self, it's such a ridiculously and imaginatively conceived bit of nonsense that it, it, it last time I watched it, it just made me laugh, like genuinely. And I thought, actually, I think that's what they were going for. And I think yeah. that trend continues as a few other action sequences or beats later on in the film, which feel like they're, they're plugging into that absurdist action stuff that, yeah. that we're doing now rather than... Um, or deliberately dodging it as well. Because they go on to the next scene where smash cut to another <clears throat> famous man, LA landmark. So they go to one of the famous stadiums in, in, in LA. Mm. And it's been turned into some sort of <clears throat> gladiator arena where people are fighting. And we get these yeah. really cool people in like spiked leather jackets. Yeah. And it's a guy who's got two swords or like a big hedge trimmer. And he's, he's about, he chops a block's head off. Yeah. And you think, yeah, Snake Plissken's gonna have a barbarian pit fight with this with this shit. Mm. And and he doesn't. No. And instead, instead of that, instead of fighting like these really cool cyberpunks with weaponry, mm. which I thought is gonna happen, which I was really excited about, he has a game of basketball. Yeah. He set a basketball with, challenge. With a, it's a shit game of basketball as well. It's like something you do at a fair. And it's a bit like, oh, oh, this is happening. Yeah. Now, what I will say is this does get slightly cooler 
when you learn that all of that was done by Kurt Russell. So Kurt Russell apparently oh. is shit hot at basketball and all of those but, shots are made by him. Really? Yeah. And I remember seeing the making of, and he was, there was a, someone chatting to him on the set and going, and him talking about this. He goes, but the problem is I'm good at basketball, but I'm now wearing an eye patch. which means my peripheral vision is, is changed. So he had to kind of relearn on the fly. So he was making one of those, those shots with one eye closed. Okay. So it's a weird challenge to set your action hero, you know, make a couple of difficult basketball shots, but it's all done in camera and it's all done because Kurt Russell can fucking play basketball, which okay, helps, so which helps. To be fair, I mean, that that's tempered my disappointment for yeah. fighting a load of barbarians in a pit because yeah. I got disappointed about that. But actually now you explain that my my it's it's kind of it's helped it's helped see escape from LA does that it 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 convinces you it's shit to begin with and then it just it warms itself to you time after time um this is a film that takes about four between four and twelve viewings to like yeah but you'll like it you will come around really see the beauty of it yeah um and then after this, so he gets he basically gets away. He, he's basically there to kind of complete this this impossible game of basketball, which he does. Um, and he escapes again. He escapes the villain who tries to shoot him, but then he gets away. And then at this point, he started to turn the crowd. He, he wanted him dead, and then they all start chanting "snake, snake, snake." Yeah. Um, and there's a bit of a bit of a fight, and then this is where the invasion stuff starts kicking off, isn't it? This mm. is where kind of planes start attacking LA and you realise there's an the invasion going on. Mm. But Snake Plissken managed to get away. Now, <clears throat> then he goes to see Pam Greer. Mm. And that, it takes a turn. But it's, it's funny. So again, having not seen this for at least a year and so, you know, the the, the, the the finer details and nuanced details about this escape me, which means that I'm not confident enough and can only assume that the depiction of a transgender character is probably not great. That being said, there is a transgender character in a 1994 film. Mm. Um, and although if I remember, it's kind of played initially like uh, a kind of moment, like, you know, it's like an oddity. The character is Pam Greer kicking ass. So it's yeah. actually a very proactive action orientated transgender character. Yeah. So again, I'm not going to go out and say to people, you know, she checks out because there's this really great representation, but possibly i don't know I, I feel nervous about kind of committing but it's possibly progressive to some degree in the sense that character isn't just throughout the butt of a joke but actually gets to be proactive and active and do some cool shit i don't yeah, know like i say I, i'm going from memory here i think it's a bit you don't expect it coming because you kind of see pam green's silhouette and you kind of hmm. she turns around and she doesn't play it like 
that kind of again of that era you think oh it's just going to be a bloke in a wig and it's going mm. to be really kind of comedy she has got a deeper voice her voice mm. has been augmented uh which plays it for laughs a little bit mm. but we realize that it's someone that snake knew from a previous you know he got i think he got captured in cleveland and it's someone who basically mm. um kind of ran away and, and, and escaped that 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 kind of part of it mm. well i think you're right i think actually there's a brave attempt to <clears throat> not make it a complete comedy reference point actually mm. it's power being a badass mm. with a deep voice and actually they don't play it too much of like it, it's, it's something to kind of as a as a freak show actually it's for that point it's done quite well and i think pam greer is, is carries that off quite well yeah. um it's a bit clunky but it's not overtly horrendously done i think yeah, I, yeah, I'm not sure we're the people to necessarily claim no. whether it, it, it ought, ought to reevaluate it, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe there is something to look for there. I, it, I, I just, uh, you know, if you go back to a film that era and there's a character like you, you, you would assume it would be just all wall to wall horrifying. And although, like I said, I think there's some initial stuff that, and I think very much it's not, you know, the term transgender is never used. I think it's very much back in the era of sex changes that kind of terminology and aren't they kind of weird so i do think it's there possibly as another oddity for the traditional kind of action hero snake Pliskin to kind of be confused by yeah but the ultimate function that character plays in in the film is actually a positive one to some degree so I think it's almost like i think like you say i think it's there snake Pliskin is is seen as this kind of old dinosaur who <clears throat> is kind of world weary and he's kind of been brought in again he doesn't really want to do anything he seems yeah. very kind of nonplus battle and i think la is almost there to kind of try and shock him out of this kind of old-fashioned way of thinking each time yeah. and i think they do that in quite a few different ways this being one of them but they don't seem to dwell on any of that at all they kind of move yeah. on quite quickly and then they move on to hang gliders yeah <clears throat> and this was brilliant. I loved all this. This was yeah. all over this. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad to shoot out. So effectively, there's a last storming of the castle, with the castle being Disneyland. I think it's Disneyland. Yeah. Universal Studios. Yes, they Universal. Take, they, this is where the bad guys are holed up. And it's, it's kind of storming the castle. Snake Plissken's got an hour and ten minutes or something to, to live with his mm. virus that implanted him. And they have to storm Disneyland. But they do it using hang gliders, future hang gliders with kind yeah. of spikes and stuff on them. Yeah. Um, and it has got a brilliant bit of Buscemi flying around, gurning, crashing into stuff on a hang glider, which, again, we'd pitch, to be fair. Yeah. Pliskin's firing two guns while he's on his hang glider. It's it's just, yeah, again, it, and, it, and this is where it kind of fits in with the surfing thing. It's a kind of ridiculously high-concept, absurd designed bit of action but it's kind of funny and exciting it just feels like they know they're parodying action films i, I love it it's great yeah. and there's a futuristic helicopter at the center of this as well like a uh, a stealth helicopter or something isn't there that's what they've sent in for to extract yeah them. it looks a bit like airwolf crossed yeah. with uh what's those kind of black stealthy jets that the american army the stealth the stealth jets yeah yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's them. <laughs> um, I was I was thinking of them exact model numbers. 
Oh, oh of course you're in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the self chopper, self chopper. Um, he escapes on that. He he gets the prison stall, so he manages to kind of uh, get the black the black box and kind of escape and all this kind of you know the world going to shit sort of thing. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> and then he basically gets back to the president and CGI Stacey Keach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and essentially, they promise to get the virus out of him. Now, you'd never believe that. If someone says, no, nope, we'll give you the cure, you always think, no, you're not. There's no cure. Fuck and, I, and I'm slightly disappointed in Snake Pliskin for falling for this horseshit again. He did. Yeah. <clears throat> Big star. Um, <clears throat> and he gets back, and the president, Uncle Ben, says, mm-hmm. ah, thank you for the black box. You're not. I'm not going to cure you. And his daughter, they've got like, um, they mentioned like they've got like a mind, almost like a, a, a reconditioning chair. Yes. Uh, kind of clockwork orange that they strap people in and try and kind of yeah, um, brainwash them into kind of thinking very ultra, ultra conservative kind of, mm. you know, lifestyle of, you know, no sin. Mm. Strap it to that chair. Um, and then it turns out that they've, they've mugged Snake right off by injecting him with a common cold. <laughs> yeah. Not super virus, which, yeah. you know, um, very 2020. Um, <clears throat> but there's then there's a bit of kind of things, but actually he's, he's, he's figured out hologram technology, kind of plays the, the, the idea of holograms and he's not really there. And then he essentially has is, is, is saved the day, so to speak. Mm. And then in a nutshell, he decides, nah, fuck this. You know what? I'm going to take the black box and I'm going to do what the bad guy's going to do. I'm going to turn everything to shit. Mm. And that's what he does. He kind of blows yeah. to the Stone Age by turning on this device. Which is great. And he does it while looking into camera, doesn't he? Am I yes, right in thinking it? Yeah. Yes. And so it, it is a, it's a great, great little ending. I love it. Such, such nihilism uh, uh, and what have you. Yeah, I, you know. I think it's um, it's got uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's, it's it's clearly sending its not just action films up, but it's a, it's <clears throat> Kurt Russell's Pliskin in Escape from LA is almost a send up of his own character from Escape from New York, and um, and if you're on board with that and you don't let it fog or cloud your love for the first film, I think and you know I love the first film. I don't think. Generally, don't think the first film is with not without its flaws. You know, it occupies this weird space between seventies filmmaking, where violence was just very kind of abrupt and brutal, and eighties filmmaking, where it's all high concept and big. And sometimes it feels like the action in Escape from New York never goes as big as the scope of the rest of production. Um, But I, I think there's something about it that's just wonderful and evocative and cool um and yet i still enjoy escape from la for very different reasons like i say i, I lump it almost feels like a precursor to something like planet terror and it's a, a group of people who've kind of uh, are satirizing but also satirizing action film i think we uh, i think if you're viewing it you have to view it like we're reviewing it i think you have yeah. to view it as very much a standalone film yes snake pliskin's in it <clears throat> and all you need to know is that he's 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 kind of done this kind of thing before. I don't think you need to sit and watch Escape from New York. I think you need to watch it as a standalone kind of something on a slight oddity that got knocked out of the nineties that 
stands on its own two feet because I think if you like you say you watch it with the first one it's very that's going to be very jarring and it's not really going to work I think you need to watch it a film of its ilk like I say I think if you did like a grindhouse weekender I think stick that on there because mm. I think <clears throat> I think that fit better with that absolutely um but there's some lovely moments in it there's some kind of stuff that I wish they kind of dwelled on a little bit more really that like the whole Bruce Campbell stuff was all was amazing. Yeah. So I like the bit where he where he does the duel with the guys and they throw the cans up in the air. And yep. I count I'll count to three. That's good fun. Yep. Um, yeah, it's, it was like a, a western. They go like you know, um, yeah, you know, you draw or I'll draw, and he just shoots them all. Yeah, you know, you know he's going to do. And yeah. the, the bad guys look almost shocked when they realise it's going to do it, which is yeah, it's great fun. Now, what, what's yeah. um? I think I think if you know if you've been listening to our podcasts, um, those those few that are, and if you are interested in, in kind of this kind of absurdist action and this kind of love of high concept action, whether it's realistic or not, and the joy of that, um, I would give it a give it a watch. There's a there's a lot of fun stuff in there. Um, just don't be put off by the the CGI sequence to begin with. Um, fight through it. You're rewarded. Uh, later on in the film um let's just round off with um our keywords for yep. today um again there oh god hold on I, i've just seen some on the 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 list i'm gonna um, have to rely on you because these don't seem like they're in the right film but i may have forgotten so i'm i'm gonna read through a few and i want okay. you to buzz in when you think I've hit a keyword that sounds like it doesn't belong in this film. So, earthquake. Okay. Dystopia. Electric magnetic pulse. Tracking device. Double gun holster. Sexy butt. Round ass. <laughs> oh. Um, now, uh, <laughs> I'm going to buzz in. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, I'm... Is, is is this something where it's basically the pair of leather trousers and people? It might just... be. I don't remember that being a plot point or a specific shot. Is there a few ass keywords? There's at least two, and grabbing a breast is in there as a. I remember that sexy woman. There, there are there are six sexy butt, scantily clad female, round ass, sexy woman grabbing a breast. Cleavage, cleavage, cleavage. Isn't that the, isn't that a black hole? <laughs> <I think it laughs> is, yeah. Um, see, I, I remember very, very, very quickly. There's, there's, a, there's a scene where he kind of goes into like a an, an alley and like an old cinema, which is basically like not an alley yeah. as in a, a girl person. I mean, an alleyway. Yeah. There's next to a cinema, which is basically like a sex alley, which is just lots of kind of prostitutes and things like that. So I don't know if that's where the sexy butt slash arse slash Must women be. is. It's not really focused on very much, to be fair. Yeah. No, I, I don't think so. Well, anyway, um, the the last few keywords we put in for um, Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning, Humpty Dumpty, No Mashed Potato and Sad Face all got approved. <laughs> and I think <laughs> we we've got our first keyword for this. Which, as you just coined, sex alley, which is yep. a thing. There she is. Yeah. Um, now, how do I how do I write? Um, how do I put this? A 
box of wet shit or something along those lines to describe the CGI sequence without it getting rejected? How do I properly vent my distaste for the CGI sequence without using swear words? I want people to know I hate it. I want that to be clear. I don't want to betray my, my honest emotions, but I know I can't write a, you know, uh, a bucket of fuck tits or something, you know, that won't work. I'd like that to be a keyword, a bucket of fuck tits. Um, <laughs> or your autobiography, either or. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I, yeah. Ooh. It's hard, isn't it? Um, Appalling CGI. That sounds like you're writing into points of view to the BBC. <laughs> to the BBC. Um, I- I was shocked to find the most appalling CGI in this week's episode of Pebble Mill. (laughs) It was an absolute bucket of tits. (laughs) Yes. More BBC. (laughs) (laughs) When, when, when will the BBC stop making me vomit up my own shit? Yours, Keith Barron (laughs) from Basingstoke. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know why Keith Barron was the first name that popped into my head. Okay, so okay, really red and really angry. Yeah, Sex Alley, appalling CGI. Yes, it, well, I don't know if we can put punctuation, but we can definitely put hang glider shootout. Right, let's check these updates. No, I did not mean sex in alley. I'm going to add this as a. Damn you. I did not mean sex in a bowling alley. Submit these updates. No, INDB. Thank you. Um, just very quickly, there was some Escape from LA merchandise created for, for the film. Um, I don't know if you remember, not directly after its release, but there was a series of McFarlane action figures called Movie Maniacs. And they released an Escape from LA Snake Pliskin. And I am literally looking at him as we speak he's right up there on the shelf just in front of my uh humongous from uh mad max 2 and uh just next my reaction as big trouble in little china figures as well they're a little collection in the Is middle it also there. Next to your uh, opposable battle damaged phil mitchell as well is that <laughs> yeah. yeah battle and alcohol damaged <laughs> phil mitchell <laughs> damaged phil mitchell. yeah yeah um hey. <laughs> so um yeah now there was also uh, an escape from new york board game produced at not too far from its release um if you go and look okay. on you can find there's occasional copy pops up on ebay for an extortionate amount um as a board game enthusiast it's not a um i don't think it's going to be a particularly heavy going game i think it's be a simple move around the board and pick up cards the whole thing looks like it's printed in black and white. There's li- little to no colour in it at all. So it's very, very low production value. But I've always been curious. I've always been wanting to try and find a cheap copy just to know what that's like. But I think there has been um, a strange lack of of Escape from New York merch. I, 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 you know, I'm surprised there was a there was a period where companies were making animated TV series, Saturday morning cartoons about all sorts of weird properties, aliens versus predator, toxic Avenger. Where's the snake plisking Saturday morning TV cartoon where he escapes from things each week, I guess from escaping what you couldn't do and launch an action figure range. 
but you could have a snake Pliskin and a, um, a Duke character yeah. and a Donald Pleasance in a wig and a, you know the plastic glider. You could have a glider set that like it's almost like a a death slide between one cardboard building and another that you pop your Pliskin yeah. in and watch him go. Uh, why has there never been a, a snake plisking role-playing kind of dress-up set imagine a, as a kid for christmas you open it yeah. and it's got a cardboard back and you've got uh a little mini submachine gun a pistol with a sight on it an eye patch um and a wig be well happy do you know what i'd like to see <clears throat> what's that again sometimes you know where they take the idea of a concept and they take the kind of you know like sometimes they franchise it out to theme park ride or something mm. like that an Escape from LA Saturday morning game show, which is basically like it's an adult version of the famed late 80s, early 90s kids quiz show Fun House, which yes. is basically uh, Pat Sharp and two sexy twin blonde twins mm. who basically you have to navigate your way through this fun house, which is gunge and balls and stuff like that to get, you know, fine prizes. So we, we franchise Escape from, um, and let's say Escape from uh, any city that you want to, but that's the fun house. And yeah. Pat Sharp is repurposed as Snake Pliskin. He's got the hair. He's yeah. got the hair. Um, stick an eye patch on him. Um, stick a, you know, a kind of uh, a holstered gun on him. And we turn, you know, kind of the... Funhouse twins into kind of Adrian Barbo kind of characters from Escape from New York. Mm. One and gets to end, be her, the other one gets to be Ernest Borgnine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. And then they've got to get through a series of traps and bombs, and it's quite adult themed. And instead of a ball pit, it's piranhas. Yeah. Uh, and instead of gunge, it's baby oil. Um, and it's, you know, um, um, and where they've got to go for one bit, which is like an open sewer with rats, um, mm. and they've got to get to the end of it before you know they get injected with a virus. Yeah, I'd watch that, and it's only slightly less sadistic than the actual fun house, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. can we have Dave Benson Phillips in it as well? Yeah, I'm, I'm now I've confused myself with the concept of a slightly sexy Ernest Borgnine. Have you, have you got a boy and have a think about that now? All this talk of baby oil and balls and gunge and sexy Ernest Borgnine has confused me. Um, <laughs> I've got to go and reevaluate my life. I've just had a, a cold shower, um, a hot drink, and um, I've just smashed my genitals with a lump hammer just to get myself back into the swing of things. Um, you look swollen. Are you, 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 you kind of, you look like you're sat on a massive cushion. It's, the, the, it's like a watermelon. Um, mm. It's swollen 
and red hot, like hot to touch. Um, I'm I'm currently dabbing it with a damp cloth uh, <laughs> to try and cool uh, them down. Um, it was it's not gone well for me in, in the break. Um, but we've decided we are going to go full in. So, you know, we're imagining that, that Carpenter and Russell are considering and are back and forth on a third escape movie. And they're like, well, escape from Earth seems like the next logical thing, especially since Pliskin's fucked it at the end of Escape from L.A. Yeah. And they're arming an R and I think, well, do we want to do this? Do we want to do something else? And then we kick the door in Big and we're smart. like, don't you fucking move, Carpenter. Yeah. Um, listen to this. And then we pitch. Everything we say from now on is part of the pitch. Yeah. Escape from hell. Why? So my, my first thing to do in front of both of them is to turn to you and say, why is Snake Plissken in hell? Because <laughs> I want to make it absolutely clear we've not pre-thought this. Um, why is Snake Plissken in hell? Um, basically, he he's not dead. Um, no. Basically, he needs to rescue... We'll come on to the final details of this later on. But he's basically... He's managed to come into the possession of a, a magical amulet. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and I'd he's... be drawing this on a whiteboard right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it looks a bit like, you know, when Indiana Jones does the staff of Ra, but it's a lot cruder. <laughs> it's yeah. just basically like a. a and bigger. Just, yeah, it's, like a, a, it's like a silver serving tray on a, on a chain. Yeah. <laughs> it's massive. Yeah. Um, given this. He he's been handed this by um, some some guy who's lost uh, her, his his daughter. Um, yeah, he's it's like a bit like hell, that. bit like Hellraiser. He's a soldier yeah. who made in some far flung country made a deal with the devil, and the devil, the little shit, um, betrayed him and took his daughter as exchange, and now he's left with a magic amulet. Yeah, but he's cut. Is an old war friend of Pliskin. I need you to go to hell and rescue my daughter. I've got it. So uh, what we could do, we, we could add some of the escape from LA slash New York universe building. So the president in the in the second one, Uncle Ben, mm -hmm. um, he got so religiously fundamental mm. that he started dabbling with the occult and he oh. raised this amulet <clears throat> and basically through this he was trying to you know use it to kind of continue to brainwash people uh and he raised it and actually the people who were trying to brainwash um opened a portal to hell and uh snake pliskin's kind of um old army buddy was in there with his daughter and his daughter got sucked into hell yes um and uh this guy the old army pal snake pliskin went mental and shot the president grabbed the amulet and thought, do you know what? Who can escape from things? Snake Plissken. Mm. So in the first one, they implanted a micro bomb in his veins. In the second yeah. one, a deadly virus. What yeah. thing are they going to pretend to implant in Snake Plissken this time round to make him work to a timeline? A ghost. A ghost. Yep. Yeah. Great. So his soul. 
he's yeah. He, yeah if he doesn't do it in time his soul will be forever uh caught in limbo yeah and this is where on the whiteboard you draw a really shit ghost like <laughs> yeah just look like pack <laughs> but with an eye with an eye patch yeah so um they obviously conjure up a portal yep and they arm pliskin He's got some his usual guns, but he's also got some kind of like uh, crossbow and a crucifix as well. Now, the uh, obviously in the first film, he says, I don't give a fuck about your war. And this is like, I don't give a fuck about your religion or your faith yeah. as they kick him into the portal. And he tumbles into the worst CGI hell you've ever seen. Kind of like from Spawn. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just, that, yeah. Spawn <laughs> and Mortal Kombat level CGI. And he's just tumbling on a wire and yeah. there's there's one bit where they've got the wire just on like the back of his belt and he's just mm. hanging in the air and there's like hell rushing by him i tell you mm. what i'm going to rewind the mythology a little bit i think yep. it's something to do with the old president opening up some sort of gate of hell that he's been dabbling in but yeah basically <clears throat> he gets recruited by the vatican so the vatican kind of have got like a you know a space it's a space age city now the vatican kind of say right yep. Do you know what? We need to close the gates of hell. We need to get this young, kind of innocent girl from hell. Mm. We're going to help Snake Plissken get into hell and get out. And basically, we're going to, because obviously, Escape from New York and LA have brilliant actors in there. So I think the Pope turns up. Um, yes. And I think the, the Pope turns up like a gun. The Pope. So I like this idea that the Vatican also the 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 Catholic Church are now a military organization. Yes. So the Vatican is like the the military compounds we introduced to, and they've walled off this portal and they're mm. running it. So all the cardinals have like um helmets with visors on and machine guns. Yes. And the Pope is an ex-war buddy of Snake Pliskin, who's got like a robotic arm as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um and so he would be played by someone, Ray Liotta. Ooh, Just throwing it out there. That's brilliant. Ray Liotta as a, as a cyborg pope. Hot brilliant. off of Goodfellas. Yeah. Um, yeah and uh, yeah, they do the thing. They, they, they curse him. It's a curse they put on him. If he doesn't complete it in time, his soul will be damned. Um, but he still has a big watch with a countdown on it for when he knows he's going to be cursed. Off he goes. He has to dive off like a diving board into the portal, falls through a CGI hell, lands on a big red hot rock, yeah. um, and off we go. So he's got to have a tour guide like Ernest Borgnine, like Steve Buscemi. <laughs> Who's going to be touring around hell? Uh, it's, I should imagine it's got to be like a horse and carriage that goes yeah. around hell like but the the horse is a skeleton on fire i think the horse is half man half horse centaurs yes yeah. who's gonna play a centaur joe pesci <laughs> perfect a <laughs> deceitful centaur who we're never yeah. quite sure who he's working for yeah oh that's perfect and yeah. that's got that's I mean, a practical outfit yeah absolutely absolutely um and he's been snackless has been given a load of weapons from the uh, from the from the vatican so he's mm. basically he's got like all these kind of crossbows and he's got yeah. a crucifix that there's a gun 
Um, yeah. And he's tooled up. And he looks a bit like a... He's been given lots of kind of religious garb to protect him. So he's almost mm. like a kind of an action priest. So he's got like a... He's got the dog collar and he's got a black shirt, but the black shirt's kind of cut at the, at the, at the sleeves. So he's mm. basically... Like, he's like a, it's like a vest. Mm. Um, and he's got like... Um, one of those kind of you know cassocks on. It's like a billowing kind of cape thing. Yeah. So when he runs, he looks really cool. Um, yeah. But the cape, he's guns and knives and shit. Yeah. So um, off he goes, and his first encounter is gonna be. Um, so he he's he's tracking. He's got this kind of some kind of like magic compass, which is directing him towards mm. the innocent soul. It, it detects the one innocent thing and it doesn't even detect him because he's not innocent. So the one innocent thing um, and it takes him to some kind of haunted, um, I don't know, uh, what would be a good haunted place to go? Like some, uh, obviously he goes to like a theatre in Escape from New York. So something like grand like that, that's just like a disheveled, burnt out version of it. Because what I always get the impression of, certainly in this case from LA, he gets taken to different zones, like a video mm. game. So I think yeah. we need like six levels of hell or whatever mm. it is. We create our own mythology around that. And each part of hell has a different kind of horror genre. So mm. we go into like spiritual and supernatural. We go into the slasher world. We go into a demonic world we go into like a, a kind of creatures who've been created so it's all very kind of, we really play up to different genres which kind of carpet and like can sticks on okay. so I think the first one should be like a haunted kind of like a dracula's castle effectively yeah, yeah. some traditional of... gothic <clears throat> yeah uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we 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 throw the word chateau about quite a lot in this podcast. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We're French, you see. Oh, yeah, we're French. Everyone knows that. That's clear. Clear as day. Um, a haunted chateau with how about um, kind of like there's a it's kind of French revolutionary. Like all the ghosts are kind of white faced pompadour wearing French fancy people. The upper class have all been beheaded. They've all got like neck wounds. And yep. there is a guillotine, and they're going to guillotine Pliskin. Mm -hmm. um, unless, like the Scarlet Pimpernel, he can rescue the ghosts of the peasants or whatever and overthrow, <laughs> redo the French Revolution in ghost form. Yep. And then they, because they're possibly innocent as well, they will tell him where to go next, how to get to the next level of hell. Brilliant. Yep. So, so we've got the side of it done brilliant yeah um so he's gonna be literally he's in the guillotine yeah they're about to drop it on him as it <laughs> drops down he grabs one of them and pushes them in the way so it hits him pulls out two guns fires the locks off the thing and just starts blasting away with his ghost guns um yeah. rescues them and off they go and then he goes down to the next level so i think yeah. the next level um, I, I've got an idea for another kind of haunted, a more modern haunted thing, which we'll come back to. So I think possibly then we should drop down to a Camp Crystal Lake-esque yep. um, slasher full, thing. Where he's... Full carpenter, full Halloween carpenter. Yeah, absolutely. Can I just rewind before we do that? Yes. So 
plays the head French revolutionary ghost with a rough? Oh, um, someone big, someone bold, someone camp, or hold on, someone. Oh, fuck it, it's Al Pacino. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we'd get him for that for a walk-on part, but imagine Count Al Pacino dressed up as a French dandy. I thought he had the kind of the golden egg there, and you topped it. I was going to say Rodney Dangerfield. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I mean, Danger no Dangerfield, Satan. Oh yeah, of course he is. Of course he is. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, we're off. We're cooking now. So um, we can't we can't redo really Voorhees, and I don't think Carpenter. Well, we wouldn't want to have Michael Myers because then we're in like Ready Play One territory. So we've got to come up with a new fierce, uh, faceless villain to stalk Pliskin through the woods. See, I, I think, think mm. I think we just go full batshit. I think we fuck it and go. Do you know what? It's John Carpenter. It is Michael Myers. Okay, and we we just chuck that in there. So we go, actually, we've had Snake Plissken versus Ghosts. Now we've yeah. got Snake Plissken versus Michael Myers. Yeah. Absolutely. And they just have a fight on yeah. the waterfront. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, he's... Yeah, he, absolutely. He, he Again, it's almost like the, the, he goes into these arenas and it's all like, it's all set up like he's almost in a role play of that event. So actually, yeah. he's been into that subject. He drops into... Quiet suburban white picket fence America is completely out of place. He's wandering in, he's covered in all this kind of leather combat gear, machine guns, and there are you know, there's like teen babysitters and stuff, and there's weird kind of gentle music playing in the background. Um, yeah. and he's like, What's going on? and to a point where he's almost relieved when Michael Myers starts smashing his way through the door. Um, and they just have a big old fight in a front room of someone while a, while a babysitter screams in the corner. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, we kind of get the bit when he walks into the house and there's that scene where Michael Myers is under the sheet with a pair of glasses on. Yeah. And uh, Kurt Russell wanders in and he's in a similar sort of ridiculous costume that mm. in like a... Like a giant pumpkin or something. Yeah. And Michael Myers comes out and he bursts out of it and they have a big old fuck off fight. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and then uh Centaur Pesci rocks up outside, jumps in yeah. the carriage and takes him off to the next level, which yeah. I think we go full Lovecraft. Tentacles, giant abominations, um, yeah, uh, yeah corruption, perverse stuff. So yeah. I think um yeah, Pliskin's wading through shallow water and there's all this weird shit beneath the surface. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, and it's almost like it's almost a bit like Lovecraftian. It's all it's all a little bit Hellraiser as well. There's kind of yeah. all this kind of weird going on behind them. Just kind of people being nailed up to stuff and like a woman having a sex sex with a giant octopus that eats her. Sure shit like that. Yeah. Now I think at this point. There, there's no actually at this point there's no way out there's no person to rescue his compass is spinning yeah. and he's like to pesci what's going on here and pesci's like well actually i brought you here for a reason i'm actually still working for the devil and the devil wants to offer you something it's your only way out so then dangerfield appears and it's to be clear the satan is just rodney rodney dangerfield he's in a dressing gown there's no makeup okay. there's no horns no nope, just rodney dangerfield in a dressing gown 
turns up. And uh, I can't do a Rodney Dangerfield impression, but um, it's going to be talking to Blissing, basically saying to him, look, you know, we've brought you here. You're either trapped here forever mm. or mm. you can do what I ask <clears throat> and then I'll let you out of hell with the person. Mm. And what he asks is to lead an army back to Earth of right. monsters and satanic creatures back to Earth to destroy everything. Brilliant. So Pliskin, like, like Jesus, it's the same thing again. So, all right. So Pliskin goes to Satan's compound, mm. which is proper kind of hellscape, fire, red rocks yeah. and stuff like that. And he's got an army of demons, yeah. uh, proper horned demons. Mm. And Pliskin's in the middle and he's supposed to train them up to, mm. to march them back into Earth. The portal's opening. Yeah. Um, as, before actually, before we get to this point, is there any other thing in hell you really wanted to to visit, name check, pop into? I was going to go yeah. with the ha haunted orphanage because I wanted the image of Pliskin just gunning down loads of zombie kids. Have that. I yeah. was going to say um, Pliskin when he walks into a um, a um, Universal Classic Monsters when he fights. Yeah. Dracula. Kind of Frankenstein, yeah. It's black I, and white. So okay, I've I've got a I've got a, a kind of have our cake and eat it moment. So this we're building towards a finale, right? Um, Pliskin's agreed to lead this army, but mm. Pliskin makes a point of saying to the devil, um, "No," and and he can see the the woman he's got to the the devil's kind of praising him. <clears throat> Pliskin starts training. We have a training montage of Pliskin as like a drill sergeant from Full Metal Jacket, but training monsters. Yeah. And uh, he goes up to the devil, he goes up to Rodney Dangerfield just before they're about to launch, and he goes, um, oh, just one more thing. Yeah, I know you're the prince of lies and the most devious evil creature, but I'm Snake Pliskin. And he grabs the girl, shoots Rodney Dangerfield in the balls and runs, starts running. And he's, he's, he's double-crossed the devil. Yeah. And uh, Pesci is like, that's amazing. I've never seen someone stand up and hop in. And mm. Pliskin's like, I don't trust you. He goes, no, seriously, this is a great problem. And then they ride through various different hellscape scenarios, including a universal monster thing, including a haunted orphanage where Pliskin's just kicking sort of corpse children all over the place and gunning them down. Can, can he meet Dracula? And Dracula's played by someone absolutely fucking brilliant as well. And oh. he played by... See, we've had Pacino, haven't we? Uh, um, and I think, I think we've overused Busey. Um, yeah, We've abused Busey. We've abused. We've abused. What about someone like Robert Goulet? Obviously. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, off they go through these different things. And uh, they're, they're riding towards the portal to escape. And at the last minute, Pesci is like, uh, Roddy Dangerfield is now giant. Giant Roddy Dangerfield floating above everything. Is he riding and, with uh, arms or is he just still Roddy Dangerfield? Uh, yeah, he's, he's gone a bit demonic now. He's a demonic running Dangerfield. No, he's just a floating Dangerfield head, like a big head, but a big red head with horns. Can he be and, pulling that face that you always, uh, you always see him on a cover? And he's just yeah. going like, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And he's it, Pesci's like, oh, sorry, Master, I'll bring Snake Pliskin to you. And Pliskin's like, you double-crossing uh, prick. And um, he, he leaps on to the back... <laughs> the Pessy Centaur, right? 
So now he's riding Pesci like a horse and he wraps a, a strap around his neck and tights it. So now he's kind of operating Pesci like a puppet. He's riding the horse. There are monsters diving on the carriage. Pesci yeah, shooting them off. Now, like Dracula, Wolfman, Jason, Michael Myers. Fuck it, yeah. Jason Bourne. There's a lot. They're Robert Goulet is Dracula. Um, uh, Burt Reynolds. <laughs> Burt Reynolds is the Wolfman. <laughs> Robert Goulet is turned into a bat, but he still kept Robert Goulet's <laughs> yeah, yeah, all sorts of crazy really shit. Really bad CGI as well. Yeah, so it's really exciting though. And Dangerfield's head lowers in front of the portal. Yeah, Pliskin just kind of like whips Petty, mm -hmm. and they just smash through Dangerfield's face, and his face and head explodes. Yeah, they launch out of the portal and out into reality, and he goes back to the Vatican. And the uh, Rayli cyborg Pope Ray Liotta, he's like, um, so did you do it? Did you rescue him? He goes, yeah, 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 I've got, here she is. And were you able to close the port? He goes, no, but I've got this text ritual. Mm. Um, so we would have to foreshadow this. There's a ritual, that, a tablet, stone tablet that Pliskin's had to find. That if you yeah. read it out, mm. closes the portal. Yeah. But... You have to be very careful because there's another one. If you read it, the portal opens even wider and mm. hell on earth happens. Yeah. And Pliskin, because he's a prick, you know what he's done. He's swapped him over. So Ray Liotta reads out the tablet. All hell happens. Dangerfield and his army come out anyway. Earth is partially sucked in. Pliskin looks at the camera, uh, winks. Um, and then just in the background, there's like a, a neigh sound and the centaur pesci runs past on fire and then we yeah. close to credits i think we we, we go one better and go, go for it really read the wrong one out hell on earth and at the end pliskin winks to the camera turns around goes up some steps and then sits on the throne yes like, the school throne and he's like and uh, really insane, yeah. like yeah and he's like oh you're the lord of hell and i was like and he's like hell on earth and then just yeah. sits back with a cigar yeah, lights lights his cigarette on a flaming person or whatever, and lights his cigarette. And then another portal opens, and then God pops out and says, "You're Snake Pliskin." And he goes, "Yes, I am." He was like, "I need your help." And then freeze credits. Yeah. Pliskin's like, Ugh. and then yeah, <laughs> escape yeah. from hell. Perfect. He's got everything. What's the cover? What's the cover? Um, so now the cover to escape from New York was incredibly iconic. You had the head of the Statue of Liberty on the floor. You had yep. Pliskin running away with a body over his shoulder and firing a machine gun off into a weird angle. The escape from LA poster is just Kurt Russell's face, which is equally iconic, but I want to go back to the <laughs> previous one. So I want... Uh, now, but also bear in mind that the, 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 the Statue of Liberty head on the floor wasn't in Escape from New York. Nope. So I want something representative. So I want, you know, the, um, <clears throat> the Statue of Jesus in Brazil? Yes. <clears throat> that, that's on fire. Right. Um, and Pliskin is riding the Pesci Centaur away from it. Yep. While firing a, <laughs> a laser ghost gun proton pack thing. Yeah. at a Robert Goulet bat. Brilliant. 
Yeah. And Escape from Hell is written, you know, like digital watch font. Mm. It's like that in red. I also think as well, the other side of it, there's a portal that's open mm. and uh, Roddy Dangerfield's coming out of it, but he's he's completely red and he's got huge horns and yeah. he's gurning. And next to it, there's all different characters, like uh, Michael Myers is out with a knife. Um, there's like a tentacled octopus that's coming out. There's the wolfman kind of howling and jumping out. There's a couple mm. of zombies there. There's a couple of things that aren't even in the film, like, you know, um, like a really mad alien looking thing. And that, that's the point where we go, any questions? Have you drawn all this on the whiteboard in, in this? It's all drawn. It's all drawn out on in a whiteboard, kind of like a cave painting, like a crude cave painting. And um, we've covered it in post-it notes as, as we're kind of coming up with another idea and sticking yeah. it down. Yeah. I And partway through it, I drew with a marker an eye patch on you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But we also, we, we managed to, we approached Rodney Dangerfield first. Yeah. And when we said, and then, and then Satan comes in, we then point to the door and he comes in, in his dressing gown. Yeah. Um, and he sits in the corner while we do the pitch, occasionally chipping in with a one-liner and also showing his genitals from the bottom of his dressing gown. And then we go, we've got one more thing and we've talked about, you drawn Joe Pesci as a centaur mm. and you go, now look. And it's basically Joe Pesci as a pantomime horse with like the, another actor as, as Joe Pesci's arse and he comes in full pantomime horse and then reenacts one of the scenes. All that's left for us is to pick out what lessons we learnt. And, and I think Snake Plissken represents the ultimate justice seeker. He has his own law. I, I'm going to raise you one further on that. I'm yeah. going to go nihilistic, that kind of nihilism tendency. Yeah. Actually, doesn't none of it matters. Doesn't matter. Yeah, it's, it's like, all fun. You've done all this much. Fuck it. Just blow it up. Mm. Just like you think. Do you know what? Is it been worth it? All this justice seeking and all this effort you put in. Does it fucking matter? Or can you yeah. just get all off? Press a switch and blow it. If it everything all to hell. Saves paperwork, saves any kind of tribunal, yeah. just blow it all up. Well, I think, yeah, that's the thing. If, if you ever get to the point in your justice seeking and you don't really seem to get anywhere, just think, you know, justice seekers don't retire. Mm. They take everyone down with them. Yep. Go out with a bang. Um, if it's not working for you, why should anyone else have the pleasure of yep. justice or any kind of resolution? Absolutely. What a, what a great lesson for us all to learn. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening to us talk about Escape from L.A., a much underappreciated and ready for re-evaluation parody and satire of action and uh, politics in uh, Los Angeles in the mid-90s. Um, I've been Dominic Diplom. Dick. <laughs> um and uh we'll be back uh next week we'll be back whether you like it or not yeah we'll be here even if you're not you know you you ain't getting rid of us no we're like some kind of sexually transmitted disease in that respect (laughs) 